0: Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Okay, y'all mostly ready for that? It's the 15th, right? We're in the 10-day countdown now. It's time to start saying Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to all of you watching online. We're sure glad to have you joining us. And, uh, you know, thinking of some of the music here, it's, it's pretty common during Christmas music, right, to hear the word Emmanuel, uh, uh, one of the names of Jesus. It's not a name we use a lot the rest of the year, is it? Although it's a, it's a pretty important name. As a matter of fact, anything you need right at this moment, you're counting on that name. Whether you know it or not, that, that's what you're counting on. As a matter of fact, one of the great blessings we have because Emmanuel, God with us, we can pray, right? We have his attention. We have, we have his ear. So why don't we take advantage of that right now? Let's just, let's just have a moment of prayer. You talk to the Lord about whatever you want to. Maybe you want to give him just a word of praise or gratitude. Maybe something to confess, kind of clear the air. Place you need guidance, help. Oh, Lord, I would, I would pray for each of us today that that we could fathom how big a deal it is that we can always say, God, with us. Thank you, Jesus, for, for making that possible. I would pray for each of us as we leave here in a moment that we leave with a confidence, a security, a peace because we've been with God. We've been in your presence. So grateful, Jesus, that we don't have to go to a certain city. We don't have to go to a certain building. Because of you, Jesus, we can always say God is with us. And it's in your name we ask this, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, after that wonderful time with the Lord, now I'm going to kind of turn on you and get kind of creepy here in our in my message. I want you to imagine I've been I've been listening to every word out of your mouth in 2019, every conversation, all the time you talk by yourself to yourself, because that's who you talk to the most, right? I've heard every single, you know, that sounds kind of like way out and impossible until like the last year or two. And now there's always somebody listening to us, right? Siri, Google, somebody's, somebody's always measuring what you're saying. But, but imagine it's me, it's not Siri, it's Randy. And not only have I been able to hear everything you've said, I've been able to, you know, do some analytics on it like Siri would, and I've been able to determine that 318 days out of 349. I think I think we're on day 349. So almost every day this year, you have talked about this. What what is it? What, what, what is that for you that you maybe you don 't know if it 's three hundred and eighteen or not but but if you were trying to guess what it is you have talked about almost every day this year, what would it be if you 're not sure, ask the person next to you i 'll guarantee you they know and they' they 'll let you know you know there there are there are two kinds of things that we talk about all, all the time w- without any prompting, without any anchor, two things. It'd be nice if it was only one, but it tends to be two. the first one is, we talk about that which we love, don't we? When I love something, when I'm proud of something, when I find a lot of joy in something, I talk about it. You talk about it. I don't have to take a class on how to talk. There are some, you know, there's places we go when we learn how to talk through something or talk. Not this. What is that for you? Fishing? Maybe it's your ball team. Maybe it's an achievement, your kids. I don't need a class to talk about that. I, I don't need to be encouraged or motivated to talk about that. I don't even have to stop and think about it. I, I don't have to wake up and say, you know what, it's been a long. I think today at lunch with that, I need to tell this person about my kids. <laughs> you know, I, I don't ever have to do It's It's automatic. It, it's automatic and it is with energy that we do that you know what else is like that number two it's it's kind of at the other end of the spectrum that which we hate it's a lot more fun to talk about that which we love but truth be known we get as much energy out of talking about what we hate person situation circumstance whatever it is and just like love you don't need to teach me how to talk about what i hate i can do it very fluently I, I don't need to be motivated. I don't need to wake up and think, hmm, when I get to lunch with that person, I need to be sure I, I bring... No, it's, it's a, I can get to lunch, I can get to church, I can get anywhere and talk and talk about what I hate. Now, the good news is we're not going to talk about that this morning. We're, we're just going to take what we hate as another subject for, for another time. Today, we're going to talk about what we love. We're going to talk about talking about what we love and what we are so proud of. We're in the midst of a, a Christmas series. Can you believe this is already the third Sunday in our Christmas series? I mean, we're driving right through December here. But we're, we're looking at, at this Christmas at how we give Jesus a great Christmas. Man, we're going to put a lot of time and money and energy into giving ourselves a great Christmas Into giving people around us a great Christmas, nothing wrong with that. But Jesus should show up in there somewhere, right? Matter of fact, would it would it be wrong to say he should probably get the most of my time and money and energy? Matter of fact, second place should be distant, right? You're not so much in agreement with me on that one. You're not sure. Okay, well, we'll just go back to trying to give Jesus a, a great Christmas. And so we started two weeks ago. We, we studied first the person of Jesus. I mean, if you're giving somebody a gift, you, you want to know about them. You want to understand them. And boy, we saw what made the heart of Jesus beat his father and, and doing his father's will. And so we started thinking about how we craft a, a, a present around that I, idea. And then we added to that last week with Mary and we saw not just a, a commitment to do uh, the Father's will, but her servant heart toward that. So we got a little bit of an attitude, a good one, uh, that, that we added to our gift. And today we're going to leave the human realm. We're going to get some help from angels today. Does that sound okay? A lot of angels in the Christmas story. We're not talking to all of them, but we are, we are, we are going to talk with one, and that's Gabriel. Would you turn with me today in your Bible to Luke chapter? 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke is about, I don't know, 80% of the way through your Bible. And you'll find that after Matthew and Mark and right before John and Acts. Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to begin in verse 11. Luke 1 verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? I'm kind of old. And my wife, have you seen her? That's a loose translation, but that's... (laughs) Look at what it says. Which now we know one thing is absolutely true. Elizabeth is nowhere nearby. Because there's no way he says this out loud with her listening. <laughs> Not without paying for it the rest of his life. Verse 19. Let me, I, I, I tarry. Verse 19. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So, so Zechariah is one of roughly 18,000 priests. That's how how many priests there would be in in Israel at this time. And they didn't all work at the sanctuary, the temple at the same time. They didn't even all live in Jerusalem. They they lived all over the nation. And twice a year for one week, not, not two weeks back to back, but two separate weeks throughout the year, you would go up to Jerusalem and you would do your priestly duties. And that would be the highlight of my year. And that's what a priest would have been looking forward to all year long. His, His week at the temple. And I would get there and I was probably on a team and, you know, I would find out, okay, this, this week your team is going to be doing this and, or this week your team's going to be working over in this area. Well, of course, through the course of my ministry and year after year, there's going to be a lot of things I've done multiple times. My team has done multiple times, but you, you move all around the temple and work in the different, different roles that need to take place. But there was also this one thing that this one thing that you would do one time, not as a team, and not all week long, by yourself, one day, you would have the opportunity to carry the sacrifice into the holy place. And that's where Zechariah is right now. So Zechariah is not just having his week, and that would be the highlight of his year. But this day, he is going into the holy place. And this Folks, it's hard for us to probably grasp this would be the highlight of his entire life. I'm not not saying that metaphorically or to kind of dramatize it up. He is having the biggest moment of his entire life. And that's before the angel got there. (laughs) Just being in there and doing what he's doing. And yes, then... The angel shows up and there's a little bit of shock to that, a little bit of surprise. I explained a little bit last week. I think we're we're repeating here, you know, why the shock? Remember, the people of the Bible are not really any different than you and I. Our tendency is to think that the reason they had faith, they believed, is because they were just kind of living from one miracle to the next, one supernatural moment to the next. And, the, well, they saw angels over here and angels over there. And we wonder, why doesn't God do that today? But the truth is, they had the same challenge that you and I have, the biblical challenge, we walk by faith, not by faith. We're not walking from miracle to miracle, supernatural event to supernatural event. We're walking by faith in God. We're walking by faith in his word. And that was their same challenge. And a matter of fact, this moment right here in, in, a, in a Jewish sense is a huge moment because what's happening is we're breaking what has been called 400 years of silence. For 400 years, there's been no word of God revealed. There's been no prophet. There has been no miracle. There has been no angel. 400 years. That's a long time for those of you that aren't good at math. That's like older than America. Stop stop and think about that. 400 years. Nobody's looking for this. So you can imagine kind of the shock that he would have when he's in there and, and this angel Shows up, he, there. There's real shock, and uh, and the angel tells him, "Hey, man, I'm I'm here for good news. I am you and and Elizabeth are are going to have a child." And he begins to explain a little bit about the child and how special this child is. You know, it's a simple story, it's a quick story, but there's a lot of lot of different pieces. To this that, that we could look at and, and that we could understand. One, we could take a little time and, and look at, at Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're, they're an amazing couple. The scripture does give us a little bit more detail about them. They're a couple, we know, that has longed for a baby for a long time. Did you notice, I don't know if you ever picked it up, it's, Gabriel said, the Lord has heard your prayer. And yet, when Zechariah hears that, he's kind of surprised. He's kind of shocked, like he wasn't even expecting it to be answered. You you know why that is? That was their prayer. 30 years ago. They long stopped praying for that. Long stopped looking for that. Probably had gotten used to the place where they'd almost grown numb to the ache in their heart. The ache of of what they felt was was missing in their lives. And, And they'd moved on. We do that, don't we? You, you and I, we've, we've, all, we've all had things that we, we prayed for. But, you know, you go through an intersection, especially if something is maybe time-related. And you, 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 you kind of realize, I mean, it might be after three months. It might be after 15 years. Which, uh, there's, no, there's, there's no reason to pray about this anymore. It, it, it's not going to happen, and, and you kind of move on. You know, the Bible over and over and over tells us to persevere in prayer. And, and while this passage isn't really about prayer, boy, don't we just learn something right there? God never forgets a prayer, ever. It, even if it appears to you that he said no, even if it appears to you he's moved on, God doesn't forget a prayer. Think of what Gabriel's, Gabriel's opening words are. God heard your prayer you can tell by their age they're not expecting any answer to that and we could matter of fact if looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth we could go on I didn't finish this story Gabriel's not so impressed with his question you know he's not so impressed that he asked about that so he says here's what I'm going to do you're not going to be able to talk until the baby's born now I actually think he did that as a favor to john uh, uh, to Zechariah because Zechariah might have gotten out there and and told his wife there was an angel, and then she would have said, "Well, what did you say and he would have said and then he'd have been in real trouble. So I think John, Gabriel said, I'm going to do you a favor. You can't talk. And, and, and then we could see when Zachariah is able to talk in Luke chapter 2 when that, that baby is born. And what's amazing is as blessed and as excited he is about his new baby boy, first words out of his mouth, the first words of his prayer are, praise you, Lord, for Jesus because he knows about that now, too. And, and so we could, we could look at all that's going on there. We could take some time to look at the baby. John the Baptist, uh, I mean, you think of the Christmas story, there's one supreme baby, right? And there's one big baby this is about. But there's another one in the story, and that's this one. John, who we know as John the Baptist, is a huge piece of prof- prophecy, I, I mean, all this language here about turning the hearts of fathers to their children and he's coming in the spirit of Elijah, that all comes out of Malachi, which is what started the 400 years of silence. Malachi was the last prophet, the last one to speak, the last one to give us the revealed scripture. And, and so this is all fulfilling prophecy, what that this baby and, and, and what he's going to do. So we, we could take time and, and look at, at John the Baptist, but I'm today I'm kind of stuck here on on. Gabriel and and especially his response to Zechariah there in verse 19. Now we we said last week there are hundreds of millions of angels. That's the Bible communicates that. They do a, a lot of different things. We see some of the things. The Scripture reveals to us some of the roles and responsibilities, things that angels do. I would anticipate that we don't know everything angels do. God, God gave us what we needed. That doesn't mean he gave us everything about, uh, about an angel. And, and so there's all these angels. And uh, we know that there's kind of two at the top. And they're the two that, that Scripture gives us names of. And that's Gabriel... And that's Michael. They both appear in the Old Testament. They both appear in the New Testament. Gabriel appears in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9, he appears twice. To Daniel and again making a big announcement he 's sharing something about about the future and, and prophecy, and then of course, we see him in Luke chapter one, he appears twice here. we see him just now appear to Zechariah, and a few verses later, although it 's six months in time he 's going to appear to Mary. We just talked about it last week. I was kind of anticipating a little stronger Mary. Yeah, uh, okay, we just looked at that now. So, two appearances here. So, Gabriel and and Michael are... are, I would probably... My understanding, Michael probably is the top of the angelic realm. He is the chief administrator, if you will, over hundreds of millions of angels. And right there with him would would be Gabriel. Under him, next to him, I don't... He's right there on the chart with, with Michael. So, a quite impressive figure. And interesting, I'm guessing Zechariah, even before he said, I'm Gabriel, may have had an idea who this was. The Jews held Gabriel in very high regard. They, they looked up to that specific angel as they did Michael. And so here, here's Gabriel delivering this incredible news. And what's Zechariah's response? Do you know how old I am? You know, I don't think that's... I don't think we're able. A long t- time ago. And I love Gabriel's response where he says, it, it, it sounds a little bit like the, do you know who I am? Which, honestly, we're not very impressed with people when we say, do you know who I am? But I don't know. I think when it comes from Gabriel, you, you know I'm Gabriel, right? Like three seconds ago, I was in the presence of God. So are you... Are you asking if God's not aware of how old you are? Are you asking me if God's not aware that y'all haven't had a child yet? Oh, I am so sorry. I was not aware. Big mistake. I'm a little insensitive on my part. I apologize. Well, I'll just go back to heaven and see what we can. No, that's not what. I'm Gabriel. I came to you here from the presence of God. God. With the message of God. In your mind as you try to imagine that. And it's kind of hard to imagine. I think it's hard to imagine. But do you think he says that in a way that he's shy? Gabriel that is. You think he's shy? You think he's apologetic? Oh, sorry I forgot. I shouldn't have have brought it up. No, I, I actually think he speaks with a tremendous sense of confidence, don't you? I I would say he speaks with confidence. He speaks with strength. He speaks with purpose. I come from the presence of God. I carry the message of God. You know, when that's true, you got a lot of confidence. You got a lot of purpose. You got a lot of strength. And do you realize there's no difference between you and Gabriel? I think Gabriel has wings. Yeah, Probably, I'm guessing so. Yeah, okay, so you got me there. I'm talking about what Gabriel said right here. Do you realize there's no difference between you and Gabriel? You and I ought to be living every day on this earth with the exact same sense of confidence and strength and purpose because we come from the presence of God carrying the message of God. So, well, yeah, but... Gabriel's more in the presence of God than I am. No, no, he's not. No, he's not. You are wrong for thinking that. Now you say, well, mine takes more faith. Yeah, that's true. Probably for you and I to understand ourselves in the presence of God is more a statement of faith than maybe that it is for Gabriel. But it's still the truth. You know, that's what faith does. I may not be able to see it or or touch it or maybe even all the time understand that the presence of God is with me. But the scripture says it is. Emmanuel, the scripture says he's with me. So that means the next word out of my mouth, the next response, the next step is always going to be in light of the fact that I'm in the presence of God. Faith, not sight. We walk by faith. What does that mean? It means we live like it's true. And look what the scripture says up here. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now, you probably think I put that verse up there because that shows we carry the message of God, right? Well, it it does. That is why I put it up there. But actually, I put it up there for the first phrase, not the second phrase. We are ambassadors for God. Where has an ambassador come from? He comes from the home office, right? He comes from the home, the home government. I I come from the office of the president. I I represent the president here in this country. I, I only live here temporarily. My address is back at home. That's where I live. That's where I come from. Folks, this, you see what that word is communicating about you and me? We come from heaven. We're carrying the message of heaven. That's, my, that's the presence I live in. I'm just here visiting. Carrying out a role. What's the role? To carry the message. Look at this next one, Hebrews 10. We have confidence to enter the holy places by Jesus. I put that verse up there not for the words it says, but for the two words that aren't there. Do you see them? No, because they're not there. It's not a trick question. You know what two words are not there? One day. You see it now? It does not say, one day I will have confidence to enter the holy place. It's not one day. It's right now. Right now, by the blood of Christ, right now, by the work of Christ, I live in the holy place. And I live there confidently. With confidence I go into that place. Not one day, right here, right now. One more verse, Colossians 3. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where's my life? It's in Christ. Where's Christ? At the right hand of God. Where am I? The right hand of God. Now, I would probably respond to that by saying, well, it doesn't always feel like it matter of fact, I think a lot of times it doesn't feel like it. You know why? Because we ignore the first thing Paul said. Seek the things that are above. We don't seek the things that are above. Our energy, our effort, our time is given to totally seeking the things down here. And because all I seek is the things down here, then guess what's real to me? What's down here? Because I spend so little time seeking the things above, guess what's not real to me? That I live by the right hand of God. That's where my life, again, it does not say one day. That's, that's right here. That's right now. Man, man folks, what, what if you and I were so proud of the presence that we come out of? So proud of the message that we carry. That we could not help but talk about it. it, it you know, like our ball team. Like our kids. Like our hobby. Now, but, you know, when I say it like that, you know, we're all kind of a little bit ashamed now. You know, my response to my own statement would be, okay, okay, I, I don't always speak. I, I I don't always do that. But it's not because I don't love the Lord. It's, it's not because I'm, I'm not proud of Him. It's just that, and by the way, you and I can't finish the sentence. But it's, it's, it's not because I'm ashamed of Him. Well, fair enough. I, that's what I would say. I wonder how Jesus measures that. Look, look what he says in Mark eight thirty eight. For whoever is ashamed of me. Now just stop here. He's not talking to a group of atheists. He's not talking to a group of people that hate him. He's talking to a group of people that, that we would call disciples. Some of them are going to follow him the rest of their lives. Some of them are not sure yet. It's Jesus sings, kind of cool. I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to follow him for a little while. That, that's the group of people that he's speaking to when he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed. When he comes in the glory of his Father and of his holy angels. What, we live in a, uh, in a sinful and adulterous generation, don't we? I mean, yeah. I can't imagine anybody doesn't think that. And, and uh, guys, truth be known, every, every generation would could be described that right way, right? I'm, I'm not aware of a generation that couldn't be described with those words. We, we live in a generation that hates this word. Now, that's not always been true in America, is it? I mean, historically, America has generally respected and revered. This book. I'm not saying everybody always believed it. I'm certainly not saying everybody always obeyed it. Gosh, we believe it and we don't always obey it. So I'm not saying everybody in America used to believe and used to obey. No, I'm not saying that. But everybody in America generally respected. This is not like other books. There is a truth here that I probably should be aware of. There is a truth here I should probably mold my life to. Whether I do or not is another question. But there was that general respect. Boy, that's not true today, is it? No, in America as a culture, generally speaking, we hate. It's not just that we're ignoring. We hate this book. We hate the words of Jesus. You know, when I say the words of Jesus, oh, yeah, you know, in the Gospels there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of our publishers, some of our Bibles, they were real nice. And they painted the words red so we could really pick them out quickly. But all the words in this book are the words of Jesus. The first three. In the beginning. The last one. Amen. And the bazillion of the words in between. They're all the words of Jesus. And we live in a culture that hates these words. And you know what that means to you and me? Means it's hard to talk about it, isn't it? I mean, if we're, we're being honest, we, we are in most places in our society, we're going to feel some anxiety about bringing up the name Jesus, about bringing up the word Jesus. That, that's going to that's going to cause some, you know, we're going to measure that. We're going to be careful, not really sure. Yeah, this is not the time and place. What ends up happening is we never bring up the name Jesus. We never talk about his words. And guess what? We don't live with the confidence, strength, and purpose that coming from his presence and carrying his message has for us. You know, it's such a an incredibly simple message. I think sometimes you and I trick ourselves into thinking that the reason we don't bring it up is because it's a really difficult message, and there's a lot to know, and and people are going to ask questions, and and then I'm not going to be able to answer them and look stupid. And none of us wants to look stupid. We will. Most of us do everything we can to avoid looking stupid. So I, I'm not. not, Here's the message. God loves you. And in Christ, you can be forgiven of all your sins. He did it for me. Do you realize that is the entire message? That is all God is sending you into the world to carry. God loves you. And you can be forgiven of your sins by Christ in Christ. And he did that for me. Now, you know... um, Would it be helpful if I knew some Bible verses that kind of, you know, verses that supported that sentence and, you know, I could show people so that they don't think this is just me. Hey, this is the Randy religion. No, I I want them interacting with God and what God says. So, yeah, if I know some verses that I can point them to, well, that's going to be very helpful. Would it be helpful if I was aware of the kinds of questions that people bring up when you make a statement like that? Or maybe some of the disagreements that people have when you bring up a statement like that? Well, yeah, of course it would be helpful. And so, you know, what we've done in the church, we've we've put together classes where I can go and learn the verses and I can kind of in an ordered way, present the gospel and and maybe learn to deal with some of the questions. All of that is incredibly helpful, but it's not absolutely necessary. And you're not charged with the entirety of doing all that. You're charged with carrying a message. God loves you. You know, it's good news, isn't it? Hey, you ever been sent to give bad news? None of us likes that. God hasn't sent you to sit with bad news. He has sent you to give good news. God loves you. And in Christ, you can be forgiven of your sins. He did it for me. Now, in our culture, there's going to be some anxiety to saying that to our neighbor, to our co-worker, to sometimes to people We love what is what is going to press us past that anxiety probably nothing other than being so in love with Christ so proud that by him i live in the presence of god and by Him, I carry the message of God. When I'm, when I'm so in love with Him, so proud of that, then I think what happens is the same thing that happens with fishing and ball teams and kids. And it, I don't have to think about talking about it. It just comes up and comes out. Love and pride drives that, doesn't it? So maybe if I really struggle with that, maybe I'm more ashamed than I then I'd like to confess and admit to. So possibly the shaping here, the wrapping here of a Christmas gift. Christ, I, I want to give to you this season, I want to give to you in this year ahead. A passion to love you, a passion to grow in my pride of you. And I, and I want that to happen to such an extent that Jesus is in my conversation. It, it just it just it just comes out. Yeah, there may be some people I know I need to talk with about it and be praying about talking. But it it doesn't matter if I think about it or not. It's coming up. It's coming out because I'm just that in love and I'm just that proud that the name Jesus seasons all my conversations. How many conversations do we have in a week? From the stranger to the one we love the most from Thank you to <laughs> the thirty minute conver hundreds? Thousands? How many times does the name Jesus come up? We might want to interact with Mark eight thirty eight a little more, because Jesus said, You know, if you're ashamed of me, you're probably not really mine. And that won't bode well for you. Man, I wanna I want I wanna give him that gift, don't you? I want him to see I'm so in love with him, so proud of him. Yeah. I, I can deliver that message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know, there's so many things I pray for myself and for us as a church that I want to be true of us. Oh, but Lord, if I had a short list. One thing that would be on that short list is that we are an army of witnesses we 're an army of witnesses that that walk into our world with such confidence and strength and purpose because we come from your presence and we carry such a good message, Lord. I pray that would be true of of every Single one of us, I pray each one of us right now are thinking about, do I have that pride? Do I have that love? Why don't I? What could I do? Oh, God, we we live in a culture that is in desperate need of your people being proud of you. Your people being so in love with you. Your people ready to talk about it. Given any opportunity. Opportunity. Help us, Jesus. We pray this in in your name. Amen.